Amen and amen. From the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, the Lord's name is to be praised. I think I'm, <clears throat> I'm praising for all of eternity. I think I'll just get started early. Just go ahead and celebrate what we'll do. Don't you take your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Tonight we're going to talk about believing believers. Believing believers. I don't know if you noticed, not our world famous drummer got on a shirt tonight, talks about believing. And uh, that, that's good. Y'all know he used to be the drummer for REO Speedwagon before we came here? Y'all know that? Well, he didn't know it either, and I didn't either. I just made that up because I thought it gives some credence to our band. But let me tell you something. We use the name Christian. Christian's really not the biblical name to call people that follow Jesus. It was only used one time in the Bible. In the Bible, you were one of two things. You were a disciple of Jesus or you were a believer. So the actual proper terminology for somebody that's decided to follow Jesus is either a believer or a, or a disciple. Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, and Jesus kept people follow him, or you're called a believer. Now, I'm, we're just going to go deep right off the bat. No goofing off. Let's get right with it here. What's the main thing a believer ought to do? What's the funniest thing in the world to me is an unbelieving believer. That don't even make a lick of sense, does it? Listen, the number one thing a believer ought to do is believe. And we're going to talk about believing tonight. We want to talk about believers believing. All right, you've got to make a transition. If you ever decide to follow Jesus, you've got to change. You, all you heard was religion. You didn't hear what I said right there. All you heard was you've got to quit smoking and cussing, which is what we've been taught for years. Listen, if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to start believing. Because believers believe. And uh, here's the major transition you make as, as a follower of Jesus. It's in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, foundational verse here that says this. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Friend, to follow Jesus, you've got to quit walking by sight and start walking by faith. And this verse, this truth is remunerated all through Scripture. Uh, Romans chapter 1 says this. The just shall live by faith. And we want to walk by faith. And not by sight. It's a total transition. To follow Jesus is to move to another kingdom completely. Amen. All right, let me tell you something. Now, religion's not like that. What, what we call Christianity in America is really religion. And Mr. Barner, the chief pollster, tells us this. There's very little difference between the lives of Christians and non-Christians in America. I'm not being critical. It just That's what the polls tell us. Because to be an American Christian, you don't have to change much except your geography on Sunday morning. Just go to church and you know, maybe don't cuss where people can hear you, that type of thing. It's not much of a change. But listen to me. To follow Jesus, it's a total change of life. Yeah. If any man's in Christ, old things have to pass away. pass away. Everything has to become new. And the major transition you make is to quit walking by sight. Yeah. You know the word walk here doesn't mean to stroll the dog. <laughs> walk means live. Amen. You have to quit living by sight and start living by what? Go ahead and say it out loud. Live by faith. All right. Does anybody here have faith? Yes, sir. Do you walk by faith? How many of you fall off the wagon once in a while? Well, we all do. We all do. Let me help you. When you fall off the wagon, get back on it. This isn't hard. Simon did. And uh, we walk by faith and not by sight. Colossians, I want, to, I want to take a little time. Look with me in Colossians chapter 1. In Colossians chapter 1. Now, this is what following Jesus, really, what a wonderful picture here. Colossians 1 verse 13. If you ever confess Jesus is your Lord and you're born again, you get Christ in your heart, here's what happened to you the moment you got born again. It's in Colossians 1 13. The Bible says this. 
He has delivered us from the power of darkness. So does darkness have power? Does it have power in my life if I don't follow Jesus? Sure it does. That's Ephesians 2 if you want to look at it. He delivered us from the power of darkness and what? Conveyed or transferred us. Transferred us to the kingdom of the son of his love. Can you see that he moved you from, from the United States to Honduras the moment you got saved? It's that big a move. It's that big a transition to be moved from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light is a big transition. Now, let me, let me, I'm going to give you an illustration to help you understand this. To begin to walk by uh, faith and follow Jesus, it would be like moving from the United States to the country of Honduras. I'm going to use that because we have missionaries there and we have a little hospital there and, and I've been there several times. Uh, if you move to Honduras, you, you gotta, if you're going to fit in down there and you're going to make it down there, you have to change everything about you. You don't just have to learn a new language. You have to change everything because they're a relationship-based culture. Um, in the United States, we're a time-based culture. You know, here, we, we, we're proud of moving fast. I'm a multitasker, multitasker. You know, I say, how you doing? Busy, busy. We're proud of that. Well, yeah, that's nuts. That country's built around relationships. Everybody moves slower. If you're on the way to work, somebody stop, talks, you just stop and talk. We'll get to work later. Of course, some folks work here like it. But the deal is, it's a whole reorientation of life. And see, what we think is so important, they couldn't care less about down there. We value beautiful homes and money and bank accounts and nice cars and fancy hair. And, you know, we spend $75 for jeans with holes in them. I told my girls, these teenagers, I'll just buy them from Walmart for $16 and I'll tie them behind a truck and drag them home. You'll have them high dollar jeans. But we value wealth here. They don't value wealth there. They value relationships. Having food and clothing, they're perfectly content. Little small house, have a few clothes. And you just have to change everything about your life to move there. Do you understand that? That's what it means to follow Jesus. You have to change everything about your life, your priorities, the way you do everything changes. Now, if you, this, so many Christians have said to me with, with so many words, and I've seen it in their eyes, this stuff don't work for me. Christianity don't work for me. It's because they've never been taught to transition from sight to faith. Amen. They're trying to live in Honduras with U.S. attitudes. Do you understand that? I was in Honduras one day sitting in an open-air cafe. Me and a missionary friend were eating. And I was sitting there, and an old white man came over there. And uh, he sat down with a young Honduran girl. And I said, what's this all about right over here? I just saw him over there. I said, what's that? Now, he was about 65, so I was 40. Then he was an old white man. He's not now. And uh, I said, well, what's this mean? He said, well, he said, a lot of guys from the U.S., you can live so cheap here. They'll come down here in Social Security, live good. And, and these Hon Honduran girls, some of them, Love to find an old man like that to take care of. Because, you know, he's going to kick the bucket for a long anyway, so he'll hang around with him a little while like that. And said, but that guy right there, he, he's a pain in the neck. I said, now, why would you say that? He said, he won't learn the language. He won't adapt to their ways. He don't like their culture. He don't fit in down here because he wants to be from South Carolina in Honduras. And he said, it just don't work out down here. How many people have I known? They're truly born again. But they're still trying to live by sight. Instead of, listen, you get born again in a minute. You've got to learn to walk by faith. Because the Bible talks faith, about faith growing. You, you've got to learn to walk by faith. And if you try to be a born again child of God and live by sight, y'all, something's going to be, it's like washing your feet with your socks on. Something's just never going to feel right. You're, going to be, you're always going to feel like a long tail cat in a room full of rocking chairs. You just can't get comfortable living like that. So listen, that's why the Bible said over and over, 
that we walk by faith and not by sight. We've got to make this transition. And uh, that's what I'm going to do. All right, it's, it's a reintroduction of life. Now, I want to take the time because I want to get this. Turn me to Romans chapter 12. After you get born again, and everybody needs to be born again, you need to be born twice so you only die once. If you're only born once, you're going to die twice. That's why we need to be born twice. That's why Jesus said you must be born again. Now, you can trust him for things, but you must be born again. All right, Romans chapter 12, I want you to look at what he tells me and you to do. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, encourage you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies, this is Romans 12, 1, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable God, which is your reason. What did he say? Hey, just give everything you have to God. Give him everything you got. Now, watch this, verse 2. Now, here's the growing part. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed in your mind. Now, who's he writing this to? Lost people? No, they're already born again. You look at Romans 1, 2. He says, to the church. So he says to people that are already born again, he said, you got to have, your mind's got to be changed. I want you to be transformed at mind level. I want you to start thinking different. Now, why do I need to be transformed? And he's talking about learning to walk by faith. Why do I do that? The last part of verse 2 says this, so you can experience the best God's got. Then until you learn to walk by faith, you can't, you can't experience much of anything in this life. You can be born again and on the highway to heaven and, and dragging along the way. He said, now that you're born again, I want you to change the way you think about everything. And the change is from sight to faith. I'm going to transform from sight to faith. And I want to help you with this tonight. We want to learn about this. And everything has to be long. And if you don't reorient, you're going to, you're going to be in trouble. Again, the great, listen to me. I was taught wrong when I got saved. Oh, would to God somebody had taught me the Bible instead of religion when I got saved. Because I was truly born again. I mean, God hit me like a freight train. And I was born again, but they taught me how to be religious. And I did it because I didn't know no better and I went along. But something down inside of here was never at peace about it. I know that now. And I wish somebody had taught me. They taught me religion instead of faith. Nobody ever taught me to walk by faith and get in the Word and how to live this thing out. Well, thank God for His goodness and grace. <clears throat> So we're going to do this. Let me, tell you, let me define sight so you know what that is. Now listen to me. You've been trained all your life by your culture to walk by sight. Yeah, I mean, from the day you was born, you've been taught to walk by sight. Your mama started this stuff. You cried and she fed you. That's living by sight. She, you started right off the bat. <laughs> to live by sight is three things. It is to live your life with human logic and reason. As the Bible calls it, it's to lean on your own understanding. You have to figure everything out. It has to make sense to you. That don't make a lick of sense. That's stupid. Well, to live by sight is to live by human logic and reason. Everything has to be filtered through your natural intellect. That's what living by sight is. Number two, to live by sight is to live by human emotions and feelings. I just feel like this is the right thing to do. That's one of the best ways to go over the waterfall. Can anybody bear witness with me that, that Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end result is destruction. I've asked a many a girl through my 40 years, why did you marry that clown? None of them, none of y'all. This is always in other churches. And they'll tell me that they'll go to some crazy, romantic Barry Mandelow song. Feels so right. You got to quit living by your feelings. To live by sight is to live by your emotions and your feelings. Well, we're eating up with this right now like never before in this land. I see all the time, how do you feel? Be honest, I really don't care how I feel. 
I got something higher than how I feel to dictate my life. Listen to what the Bible says in the book of James. If you live by how you feel, you're going to be like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Circumstances are going to kick you back and forth the whole time. Your feelings are not, not I'm not against feelings. I got them. Probably, believe it or not, I got them. But they are not going to tell me how to live. And they're not going to dictate my life. Number three, to live by sight is to live by the society's standards around you. You adopt their values. That's what it means being conformed to this world. Let me tell you what that word conform means. Our kids are little. We had a, a sandbox. We play in a sandbox. And we had a little uh, different molds. You know what the molds are? And I think we had one was a starfish or a star. And you could take that mold and pack that sand in there and pack it real full and turn it, dump it out on the bench seat. And that, that sand would be in the shape of that star. That's what it means to be conformed. It means to let this world pack you into its mold and tell you how to think and tell you what's important and tell you how to dress and tell you where to live and tell you who to love and tell you, you just, this culture's values become, your, it rubs off on you. How many of you know the Bible said this? See if you agree with this. Bad company corrupts good character. You ever heard that? Uh, I used to quote that to young people. They didn't believe it. They said, well, you can't judge me by my friends. <laughs> I tell them, you show me who you hang around with, I'll tell you where you're going to be in nine months. Because that's what it means to be packed in there. Well, to walk by sight is to let this society tell you what's valuable and what's not. This society don't know squat. They, this society, they can't even vote right. You going to let them tell you what values are? All right, and not only that, it also means the society's priorities become your priorities. Bigger house, need a bigger house, bigger house. Show me in the Bible where a big house is your priority. You know, a better job. What is a better job? One where you never see your family and you have headaches all the time. You call that better? I don't call that a better job. It says more money. When did money become our God? But it means to walk by sight. It's those three things. You live by human logic and reason. You let your emotions run your life and society's standards become your standard. You get crammed in there. That's what it means to walk by sight. Now, to live by faith has to be learned. And listen, you spent your lifetime learning how to walk by sight. And it takes a while to unravel this stuff. You can be born again in a second. Now, I've said it before like this, and it offended some folks, and I'll say it again. I got born again in July of 1975. <clears throat> uh, Mr. Lincoln was in office at the time, 1975. <laughs> and the truth is, it took him one second to get me out of hell. He'd been working 40-some years to get the hell out of me. And to get me unconformed to this world and transformed and start thinking different so I could live with him. And, and what does it say in Romans 12? Experience God's best. All right, let me give you what it means to live by faith. Off the sight onto faith. And uh, it's got to be learned. Let me ask you a question. Did Jesus gather 12 men with him to come walk with him? What's the number one thing he taught them? Through those? And for three years they walked together. What's the number one thing he taught them? Faith. You read through the four Gospels over and over. He taught them faith. He put them in situations where their faith could be tested and grow. And he explained it. Here's what he said. If you believe in me, you're going to heaven. He who believeth in me shall never die. But he said, the quality of your life is a direct result of your faith while you're on the earth. That's why he always taught faith and tried to build their faith. Let me tell you what religion focuses on. Discipline. Behavior. How many times you show up for church? I don't care how many times you show up. I don't want you to show up. I want you to believe. 
Did you cuss last week? I'll work with you. I want you to believe. And religion focuses on the disciplines. Jesus always focused on the faith. And he was always trying to help people build their faith. And I just love when Jesus would teach. Uh, for instance, Mark chapter 9, a man came to him and his son was in trouble. And uh, he said, if you can help me do something, you don't ever put if. You don't talk to Jesus with the word if. You don't ever say if in front of Jesus. And he said, if you can help us. And Jesus said, if you can quit that cussing, I'll heal him. Do you listen to REO Speedwagon in your chariot? What did Jesus say to him? If you can believe. Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Amen. You talk about God throwing a broad net over your life. By the way, that was Mark 9, 23. It's still in the Bible for you. He didn't just say that to that man. He said, if you can believe, all things are possible. Now, let, let me tell you something. In the, in the original language, Jesus is saying, come on, come on. I can't, I can't help your son. I can't help you, son, until you do something. If you can believe, come on, come on. If you can believe, it's possible. I'll do it. And do you remember what the man said? He said, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Oh, oh, don't tell him you got unbelief. <laughs> Go and tell him. And you know what Jesus said? What did Jesus say? Jesus didn't fuss at him because Jesus said, it's all I need right there. Amen. And he healed him, didn't he? I want you to notice God couldn't do a thing. God couldn't help the boy. Until somebody believed. Most important thing he taught was faith. To everybody that came up to him. Two guys were blind. Came up and said. We want to see. And he said what? You promised to go to church if I heal you? What did he say? If you can believe. Do you believe I can do this? They said we believe. He said you're well. Let me make an announcement. You need to memorize Hebrews 13.8. And don't listen to preachers who tell you it's not true. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, till the day he gets back to this earth forever. He's still looking for faith. And he's still teaching people faith and building their faith. All right, <clears throat> now Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple, he's going to teach you faith. I'm going to give you three things faith is. Number one, faith always replaces logic and reason with God's word. Faith always replaces Logic and reason, human understanding with God's word. I want you to listen to the very words of Jesus on this issue. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Yes. You know what I'm going to live by? I'm not going to live by what looks good. I'm not going to live by what makes sense. I don't care what my head says. I tell my intellect, stand down. God's word is truth here. Amen. Go take a seat in the back of the bus, dude. God's word rules here. Yes. You got to put the word first above your intellect. You say, well, it just seems stupid. It's probably him then. You say, why would you say something like that? I didn't. God did. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this. The things of the Spirit of God are foolishness to the natural mind. All right, I pre first message I ever preached in this building right here. I'm going to do it for again for one minute. First message I ever preached was, get your big old head out of the way. And I'm going to say it again. Here it is. He will offend your intellect. He will offend your mind to test your heart. To see if you'll believe him so he can be good to you. In this book, Jesus is always offending people's intellect. He's still doing it. He will offend your intellect to test your heart to see if you'll believe him so he can be good to you. I'm going to give you some examples of that. 
in a minute. You're going to have to surrender a lot of logic. I want you to turn me to Proverbs chapter 3, and I want to give you a smart aleck comment, not from me, from other preachers. I don't do smart aleck, and, uh, but I'm going to show you the truth in Proverbs 3. Uh, listen, we're, we are eat up with this intellectualism in our land today. You say, well, I see you don't have much trouble with intellectualism. No, I don't. But dear ones, since when am I supposed to lean on my head instead? Show me that in here. All right, I've heard preachers, I hear them say it all the time, once in a while, especially if they're pseudos. They'll say this, I don't believe you should check your mind at the door when you come to church. Well, let's just read it. Proverbs chapter 3. Read this with me. Proverbs 3, verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You tell me what it means to lean not on your own understanding. Can you see in that verse by the, the uh, makeup of the verse that you cannot trust God with your heart and lean on your head? You can't do both. So you're either going to lean on your understanding and you're going to go with your intellect and you're going to go with what makes sense or you're going to trust God. Which one are you going to do? You can't do both. Now let me make an announcement. I believe you should check your head at the door. And I don't mean your mind. God gave us a mind to be renewed with the Word of God so we could use it. But let me tell you something. I'm not going to try to outthink God. I'm not that smart. I'm going to do what He says. And when my head says that's stupid, I'm going to say, tell me what the Word says. I'm going to trust in the Lord with my heart, and I'm not going to lean on. I've heard, I've heard preachers say, well, the way I got this figured out, who needs to hear that? Our experts. You know what an expert is, don't you? He's somebody headed to hell with the wrong briefcase. That's what the deal is. Trust in the, quit leaning on your understanding. You can't do both. You can't trust God and get it all figured out at the same time. Matter of fact, let me just, let me tell you this. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 18, verse 3. He said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot walk in my kingdom. Now, you know what a little child says, don't you? Let me see if this sounds good to me. You tell a child something, they'll believe you. It means childlike, not childishness, childlike faith. I used this one time before, I'm going to say it again to help you understand. Dear ones, we've become so sophisticated in this land that we can't believe God anymore. We've lost our faith over our intellectualism. Well, listen, unless you become like a little child, you can't walk in this kingdom. Now, I'm a storyteller. I love to tell stories. My kids was little. I'd make up these whopper stories. They no sense reading if you can make them up. And I just love to make up these stories. And I had all three of them in there one day, and I was telling a story about me and my cousin Stacy. We was moving a pig through South Carolina, and we come up to a red light somewhere down in a little town in South Carolina, and the pig broke through the back gate, and he took off down the sidewalk, and I seen him running, and he, uh, the door opened, and he ran inside the Belks department store. So I'm hot on his trail. And I followed that pig in Belks, and he's running around in Belks scaring ladies. And then he went through the women's lingerie section and came out with a brassiere across his eyes, and he couldn't see where he was going. And I'm telling this story, and my youngers are just going. <laughs> they believe in every word of it. You know why? They don't have these analytical adult minds. They got a little childlike mind that says, if Daddy says it, it's true. About that time, I felt a presence. I look back and my wife's standing in the door looking at me and her eyes are rolling. See, she's a skeptic. She's got that big adult mind. We need to become like little children. And if God says it in his word, I don't care whether it sounds foolish or not, I'm going to believe it. And that's faith always chooses. It just replaces logic with the word and leans on it. It's, 
It's, it's like a second conversion. Let me tell you why you need to change the way you think. Isaiah 55, 8. Because my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Dear ones, let's quit trying to get God to think like us. And let's start thinking like him. And we need to change the way we think. Uh, matter of fact, let me, let me just, uh, you say, I, don't, I don't believe that stuff. Listen, you'll never experience the kingdom of God if you live by logic. If you have to examine everything carefully, logically, you will never experience the goodness of God. All right, let me give you, you say, I don't believe it. Let me give you some examples. In the Bible, <clears throat> I'm just going to pull a few out. Read the Gospels. In the Bible, there was a man who was blind. And Jesus came up to him and he stood him up and said, come here. And uh, Jesus didn't say a word to him, never spoke a word to him. He had to straighten his disciples out because they was messed up on their theology. He didn't say a word to him. He just spit in the mud and made mud in, and in the dirt and made mud out of the spit and the dirt. And he's right, he put, did it in his hands, made a mud ball with it. Now, remember the guy, the guy's blind. He don't know what he's doing. He said a word to him. Probably said to a friend, what's he doing? He said, just hang on a minute. And he took that mud ball and he stuck it in his eyes. And uh, the, see, the fellow never knew a thing till that mud hit him in the eye. And he's got mud in his eyes now. Does, am I telling the truth? Yes, sir. Is this John chapter 9? Yes, and then Jesus said, here's the first thing Jesus said to him. Walk through town with that mud on your face. Go to the pool of Siloam and wash it off. He didn't tell him he'd see. He just said, go do that. Now, do you know what an intellectual would have done? Call my lawyer. <laughs> Out here trying to beg a living, and this guy comes and spits on me and wants me to walk through town and look like a fool. I'm not going to look like a fool in front of my friends. His head had gotten away. I'm telling you, he'll test your head. He'll, he'll offend your head to test your heart. Do you know what that guy did for some reason? He just started walking. He said, take, take me to that pool. He walked through town with mud on his face, and the Bible said he washed it off, and he came back seeing. Amen. I don't bother y'all. You've heard it before, hadn't you? Let me tell you what's wrong with us. We've heard it too many times. We need to hear it like it's brand new. If you'd have been, if you'd have been through that, your head would have been cutting backflips. I ain't about to walk through town. But let me tell you something. That man wasn't the least bit concerned about how people saw him. He just wanted to see, period. And he had to throw his intellect to the side in order to be blessed by God. Yeah, so that's the only time Jesus did something like that. Oh, really? All through Scripture, all through Scripture. He comes up to the chief disciple one day, and he, he's walking over to him. And by the way, Jesus is walking on the water. Y'all don't believe that stuff, do you? You need to go to university so they can explain that stuff away. He knew where the rocks were. He's walking on the water. And uh, he, he just stops away from the boat, said to the chief disciple, walk out here to me. All right. That don't fit. That don't bother y'all. When's the last time you did it? <laughs> we was on the lake the other day, me and my family boating around a little bit, and turned out one of, my, uh, one of our other pastors was on the lake in another boat. And we come over here. Now, what if I'd hollered and said, hey, walk over here to my boat. I want to show you something. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I said, that ain't right with you there, but it's okay in the Bible. <laughs> How many of you know that as his leg, Simon, as his leg went over that boat, his head was ringing him out? If you lost your mind, I guarantee you Thomas had him by the back of the robe. <laughs> but you know what happened? When he told his head to stand down and he believed God's word, what did God do? He's always setting you up 
to see if you'll walk by faith so he can show you something great. Now, what if Simon said, I, I can't, that's stupid, stupid. I'm walking on, I'm sitting in this boat right here. Would he have still gone to heaven? Sure he would. Would he have still been God's son? Would he have missed a miracle? This, I'm going to make an announcement. Religious people love folks that behave. God loves faith. Amen. Listen, faith is his thing. If you're, going, if you're going to cook me a pie, don't bring me no spinach pie. They say, what's wrong with them? Nothing. Hey, I just ain't eating it. It's not my thing. Uh, son, it's like that old song, El Shaddai, apple, cheech, pumpkin pie. I don't, just don't bring no spinach. Dear ones, if you're going to come to God, don't bring your, I've been good to him. You know what you need to bring with him, to him? He who comes to God must believe he is, and he's a reward of those who seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. Amen, You've got to bring faith to him, which is what he loves. And you've got to tell your intellect, <clears throat> step down. Step down. And you, you just uh, you just got to replace it, get the word. All righty? All right, listen to me. I want you to shift to the word of God. What if I was to ask you about you? What would you say? I say, you're Christian. Well, tell me what kind you are. Well, Brother Brian, how many of you would bow up and say, I am blameless in God's sight? Y'all wouldn't say that? Why not? That's exactly what this word says. I didn't say you was blameless in my sight or your mom-in-law's sight or your preacher's sight or anybody else's sight, but in his sight, I am blameless. You say you arrogant, you call it arrogant, I call it faith. Dear ones, say what God says. By the way, that's Ephesians chapter one if you want to look it up. Blameless in his sight. So how blameless are you? How blameless can the blood of Jesus on the cross make somebody? Yes, Got to start walking by the word and going with it. And let me tell you something. I just don't know if God, you listen, you were chosen to be blessed by him. Amen. Every single person. And I want to make an announcement. There's nothing he loves more than to take the last dude on earth and show the world how great he is through him. He chooses the foolish and the weak to confound the wise. We're looking for the slick. God's looking for the one nobody believes can do it. Amen. He likes to take a boy with a slingshot and set a nation free. Yep. Come on. He likes to take a stuttering cowboy and save two million people. That's Moses, by the way, in case you're wondering. He'd take a redneck fisherman and write the Bible. An ignorant, uneducated redneck fisherman write the Bible and start a church. Yes. I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about Simon. <laughs> Let me go a little bit further. Let me make an announcement. You need to hear this. God is not mad. So you don't know what I've done. You don't know what he did to his son. He poured his wrath out on the cross on Jesus so he could smile on me. I serve a smiling God. According to Luke chapter 15, I serve a smiling God who is excited about the people he has chosen to bless. That'll take the pressure off you and let you relax and believe. So what if I mess up? He made allowance for that too. Praise God. The first time my youngin made a mistake, I didn't take him back to hospital. <laughs> we kept him and we worked through it. And things have worked out fine. <laughs> Just thought I'd throw that in. All right, number two, faith always hopes contrary to natural evidence. You've got to learn to quit looking at what's around you. In other words, get your emotions out of the way. Let me tell you what faith is. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is the substance, the assurance of things you're hoping for. It is the evidence of things not yet seen. You've got to be able to shout before it shows up. Amen. All right, listen to me. Here's, here's where Americana has ruined true faith. We believe that seeing is believing. 
When I see it, I believe it. Let me make an announcement from this book. You will never see it. If you got to feel saved before you can believe you're saved, it's never going to happen. You got to believe. I did what he said. I'm born again. In every area of your life. Listen, seeing's not believing. Believing is seeing. Jesus didn't say if you can see. He said if you can believe. All things are possible to him who believes. And we got to swap over and, and, and begin to, contrary to nature, do that. Now, by the, you know what hope is. Let me quote it again. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Demons, if you weren't hoping for something, you wouldn't be in here tonight. Everybody on this planet is hoping for something. We're hoping for a better life. We're hoping for our kids to do well. We're hoping for our nation to get straightened out. We're hoping for a better job. We're hoping for happiness. We're hoping for everybody. You can't live without hope. Hope is the foundation of faith, but hope is not faith because faith is the substance of things you're hoping for. You can't have faith till you hope for something. What are you going to give substance to? Let me define faith for you. It is the future expectation of good. Amen. Something good's going to happen in this family. Something's going to happen in my, something good. I just, I, Bill Gaither wrote a song called, I just feel like something good is about to happen. That's all right. It's fair. It's not the greatest song. I just believe something good's about to happen, whether I feel it or not. Slight trans. Don't tell Bill I said that. Slight transition there. Let me tell you something about hope. If it ain't hope, it ain't God. Because the Bible says this, and you need to memorize this verse, and you need to chew on it, and you need to quote it. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope, wherever he is, there's hope. Wherever he shows up, there's hope. May the God of hope, tell me the three things God puts in your life. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing that you might abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. If I'm a believer and I begin to believe God, what's the three things going to come into my life? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and hope in believing. And you'll abound in hope because the power of the Holy Spirit will bring it inside of you. Tell me the three things God brings into a person's life. He brings joy and peace and hope. Now, when I was in church, I wasn't taught that. I was taught that he brings great consternation. You know, he acted act, act real serious. You know, like something always smells around you. <laughs> Wrong God. We need to go with the Bible. Yeah, Let me tell you something. People are wondering, quit wondering and start saying what's going to happen yeah. based on this word. Let me tell you about this day. I had a great day. Did you have a good day today? Yes, sir. If you start it right, you finish it right. Amen. Don't say, I wonder what's going to happen today. Oh, you gone, you gone, you gone. This is the day the Lord has made. Guess why he made it? For me to rejoice and be glad in it. You don't know what's going on in my life. I'm trying to teach you to walk by faith. And we, everything we do is like that. So, I mean, I've got so many problems in my life. Praise God. Pray, let me tell you what I've learned in my old age from God's word. All. Guess what the word all means? All things are working together for good. To those who love God and are called according to His purpose. I love God and I'm right in the center of His purpose. Guess what? Now, I got storms going on in my life right now. I don't give a rip. I don't care what's going on around me. Let me tell you what I know. I'll just stand there and smile in the middle of it because all things are working together for good. Listen, I love God. I'm called according to His purpose. I want His will in my life. Matter of fact, let me read it to you in the original language. We know that God causes all things to work together for good. Praise God, I don't understand it. I can't figure it out. It don't feel right, but you watch him shine. Amen. You know what that's called? That's called walking by faith and not by sight. Well, let me go look and see how things are. You gone. Yeah. 
Open the Bible and see how things are. Go back to the Word. I mean, on and on we could go. By the way, let me tell you why things are going to go so good. If God be for us, bring it on. We've got to start thinking like the Word says. Now, let me tell you something. They have a song that they sing. I'm not sure which one of them wrote it. Even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, he's working. Amen. So how do you know he's working if you can't feel it? How do you know he's working if you can't see it? We walk by faith, not by sight. You need to memorize Philippians 2.13. It is God who is working Amen. in you right now to will and work for his good pleasure. I don't have to see it to know it. Amen. This is what it means just walk by faith and not by sight. Now, listen, <clears throat> well, you think life's going to turn out good? I know it is. And not only is it going to turn out good, I'm going to accomplish things. You know why? Because Jesus invited me to abide in him. He said, he who abides in me bears much fruit. You just watch. You watch. Now, there's periods where you don't. And, uh, well, we can go into others. But, but listen, you, you've got to learn from Scripture. Faith always hopes. Con- you just got to quit looking around you. Get off there. Say, well, the, Brother Brian, I swear you well, Under the circumstances, get out from underneath there. Amen. What are you doing under there? Get in the word. Get out of the circumstances and get in the word. Yes. This is not. This is not hard. All right. Now, and last of all, number three, faith always reorients itself to kingdom priorities. Faith always has to reorient. Turn with me to John chapter six. Here's the big change in our lives. All right, John chapter six. How many of you ever been to the beach and built sandcastles with your kids? Y'all ever done that? Man, we'd go out there, go to the beach, build little sandcastles with our kids when I was young. We, we didn't carry them little old P-dab things, a bucket and a little. I carried a regular garden shovel out there on the beach. I mean, we made stuff you could live in out there. We're digging. Matter of fact, the beach service got on us a time or two for erosion and stuff like that. We're going to build a fort. We're going to build one. And we're out there in the sun. I mean, we're laboring and sweating and working and, and built some of the most beautiful fort, forts. I just had a big time out there. Praise God. Proud of it. Guess what happened? Surf came in the next morning. All that labor. Everybody's not living for the kingdoms, living just like that. Look to what Jesus said. Look at what Jesus said in John chapter 6. Here's reorientation. John 6, 27 says this. Do not labor for the food which perishes but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God put his seal on him. Don't live for stuff that's going to disappear one day. Live for stuff that's going to last forever. How would you like to spend your whole life building a sandcastle and just watch it all just gone in a moment? Why would you waste your life doing that? Listen to me. What this culture celebrates in lives and gives awards to will be washed away for eternity, never seen again. That's Daniel chapter 3. That great statue, a rock hit it. It came dust. The wind just blew it away. It was gone no more. That's where the song Dust in the Wind came from. The group Kansas sang. Let me tell you something. Live your life. Something's going to last for eternity. You've got to reorient yourself to eternity. Now, that doesn't mean you can't go fishing. That doesn't mean you can't play checkers. It don't mean you can't listen to beach music. It just means that's not the reason you live. That's not what you get up in the mornings for. You have to reorient yourself. Now, let me tell you, here, here's what happens in the American Christian mind. You ever heard of the American dream? You know, get education, get married, have 2.4 children, get your, your white picket fence, got, a little, you know, got your house, because it's got to be a big house now. 
Man, when I was a boy, 1,200 feet was big for a family. Now, it's, now you, got, you can't even dust the stinking thing. He's done dusting over here. Got to go back and dust over there again. <laughs> Bigger, you know, that's the American dream. Listen to me. That's not the kingdom. Amen. That's not bad. It's just not the kingdom. Right. Listen, seek you first the American dream. Is that in the Bible? No, sir. Seek you first the kingdom of God. Yeah. Make the priority of your life what God's doing in the earth. It's going to last forever. All right, so, so here's the How about success? I've heard people call folks real successful and never even knew Jesus. My God, that's not success. <clears throat> All right, listen to me. We reorient from this, whatever your thing is, to follow Jesus means to reorient the focus of your life to three things. Number one, above everything else, the glory of God. Amen. I live for the glory of God. I'm not religious. I don't dress religious. I don't talk religious. I make mistakes. But the passion of my life is that Jesus be made famous in this earth. Amen. That's called living for the glory of God. I want to show you a great verse you need to key in on, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If I were to ask you, why are you getting up tomorrow morning? You'd say, well, because the clock goes off. <laughs> oh, help me, Jesus. Help me, Rhonda. Help me, somebody. There was Rick Warren wrote the greatest, still the number one selling Christian book of all time called The Purpose Driven Life. And it says you don't just need to float through life. Live with a purpose. There should, there was, how many of you think we were put down here with no purpose? There's got to be a purpose to life. Find out what it is. I'm going to show you the purpose of your life in one verse. 1 Corinthians 10. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31 says this, Therefore, therefore, whether you eat, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, does that cover a lot of ground? Yes, it does. Whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Amen. Everything you do on this planet, you want Jesus to be made famous. Yeah. Now listen, <clears throat> That doesn't mean I sit around that religious and sing hymns all the time. I sing beach music. I sing oldies and stuff like that. I want, the, I want God to be made famous in this earth. That's the driving passion of my life. You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't see where it says preachers. Bus drivers. Pharmacists. Whatever. Live for the glory of God. Number two. <clears throat> you need to live for the glory of God. Number two. You need to live for people to have eternal salvation. I'm going to cut to the chase about this stuff that's going on in our land today. Mark 8, 36 says this. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And nothing more important than people knowing Jesus. And uh, the American church has completely lost its bearings. Lost its bearings. We have forgotten why Jesus came to this earth. Jesus did not come to this earth so it could be us four and no more. He came to this earth to seek and save that which is lost. And above everything else in our lives should be, where will people spend eternity? We are too tied up with this three seconds here. Yeah. There's your life right there, according to James. Right. Eternity is the issue. That's why this church, that's why we have plastic out there instead of marble. Yeah. We're going to send extra money overseas to the great missionaries that are going where God's working right now, Amen. preaching the gospel. That's why we don't have a ceramics class here. I don't think, do we? I'm not sure. <laughs> That's why we don't have a ceramics class here. Jesus did not come to make ceramics. Come on. You go, amen, that I'm going to stop right here. Come on, amen. Amen. These are not bad things, but they are not what Jesus came to do. What would it profit a man to gain the whole world, win American Idol, rake in a million dollars, have a number one song, marry the most beautiful woman on concrete, I don't care, and lose his own soul? We have got to reorient in this thing. 
What good would it do for your kids to have a great education, braces, a Corvette, a college degree, a great job so mama can tell everybody they'd be impressed if he lost his own soul? We've got to reorient on this thing. The glory of God, eternal salvation. Then the third one, we have got to reorient and realize I live for kingdom life on this earth. Kingdom life on this earth. You know, I'm going to tell you something. <clears throat> now I'm going to define the, let's look at it. We need, here's another one of these foundational verses. Turn with me to Romans chapter 14. Here's what we're doing in this building, in this program right here. I guess it's no secret that I get ill once in a while because we're getting out of line with the kingdom sometimes. <clears throat> sort of like my horse. He gets off center. I had to pull him back to center over a little bit. Y'all ever drove a car that was out of line, kept wanting to turn in the ditch? That's the American church. Keep always having to just keep having to bring it back on the road again. All righty. You ever heard kingdom of God? You ever heard seek ye first the kingdom of God? Jesus was the number one thing Jesus talked about, the kingdom of God on this earth. All right, here's what it'll look like when it comes in your life. The kingdom of God, Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. All right. I don't mean you can't eat and drink. He told you if you eat or drink, do it the glory of God. Here's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what we're after right there. I want that in every person's life on this earth. We had a graduation Saturday night with Living Free and, and Mary's House. Wonderful. You know what they're doing out there at Live, Living Free and Mary's House? That verse is what they're trying to do out there. They want, that, they want to get those people down there and love them and help them so that the Spirit of God can work and bring what into their lives? Righteousness. That means bring healing into their lives. Get things right on the inside so they can live a life of peace and joy when things are right. You notice righteousness comes before peace and joy. When the Holy Spirit makes it right on the inside, then you're going to have a life of peace and joy. And when you reach there, what has happened to you? The kingdom has come in your life. We want everybody to get things right on the inside and to know the forgiveness and the mercy and the healing of God where there are wounds. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted and fix the inside so you can live a life of peace and joy. I've heard people talk about, well, he served in the kingdom for years. What kingdom? Then the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy by the power of God coming in people's lives. That's what I want in this earth. I want every person to experience that. And everybody's can do it because Jesus said, whosoever. And then guess what's next? <clears throat> I want that to come in families. I want people to have peace in their homes. I want kids to know what it's like to be raised in a home where there's laughter and joy and peace and there's not hell raising and fighting and criticism and arguing. That's not the kingdom of God. I want, I want kids to know what it's like to grow up in a place where God rules yes. in the house. I'm having to know this, this, this could come in a church. Yeah. Come on. What if we had a church where things were right and the Spirit of God came and brought peace in that place? Amen. People began to love each other and treat each other like Jesus says to, and there was joy in the house. Yes. I think you get a little too carried away with this stuff. I don't think you get carried away enough. Why don't you join me? Instead of me coming down there with you, you come up here with me. I'm the preacher. Get up here with me. <laughs> Come on. You know, this is what we're after right here. What about our communities? Wouldn't it be great to have peace in our communities again? I hear about all these people trying to bring peace back. Demons, it's not by man. It is by the Spirit of God. He's, this is what we're after right here. This is what we live for. I don't live to make money. I make money. I got to pay my bills and, you know, I got to put gas in my bass boat once in a while, stuff like that. And Buy shells. You know, you got to feed your youngs, buy shells and all that. Yes, but the point is, I want to use that money to help people do that right there. Amen. Glorify God in the earth, see people get saved, see families get straightened out. This is what it means to follow Jesus. 
And it's in two areas, individuals and then in groups like that. All righty. Listen, if following Jesus, aren't you got it? Listen to me. We're going to walk by faith and not by sight. Yes, sir. If following Jesus is a faith walk and it's faith that he's looking for and faith that he blesses, guess what I think I'm going to do? I'm going to start building my faith. Yes. There was faith. Listen, you can be born again and have zero faith. How many of you agree with that? Now you have to have faith to be saved, but you can be born again and have no faith whatsoever. Would you agree with that? Can you show it to me in the Bible? Were the disciples born again? Did Jesus not look at them and say, where is your faith? There was this, we have to build our faith. I'm going to quit by giving you this. Here's how, here's how we build our faith. <clears throat> now the Bible talks, of, Jesus talked about different levels of faith. I want you to listen to what he said. He said to some people, you have no faith. He told his disciples one a couple times, matter of fact, you, you have no faith at all. Well, he wasn't being unkind. He was showing them where the problem was. I had a preacher friend of mine one time. He was mourning. I said, you ain't got enough faith to get an ant's motorcycle halfway around a BB. Quit complaining. <laughs> Jesus talked about people having no faith. All right, what's the next level? Did Jesus talk about people having little faith? Yeah. He did. He said, if you had faith as of a anybody remember mustard seed. He said, just a little bit. It's like brill cream. Anybody remember brill cream? Little, little dab goes a long way. Well, y'all don't remember that. Your men's hair cream. You don't remember that. <laughs> Golly, I keep forgetting all the 105 of us down here. Listen to me. You could, a little faith does a lot. Jesus said, if you had faith as a mustard seed. All right, what's the next one? He said to the church at Thessalonica, I see that your faith groweth exceedingly. You can have a growing faith. That's what we want, a growing faith. But there were two people in the New Testament, only two, where Jesus said to them, great is your faith. Yeah. One was a centurion who came to get his servant healed. And one was the Syrophoenician lady from Tyre who came to get her daughter delivered. And Jesus said about the, he said, he said about the centurion, he said, I've never seen this kind of faith in all Israel. He said, my people don't have this kind of faith. And he wasn't even a follower of God. So what do we see there? Different levels. How many of you know your levels can change within yourself? How many of you ever had great faith one day and lost it the next? You say, you can't do that. You don't think so? What happened in Matthew chapter 14 when Simon Peter had enough faith to walk on water? Got his eyes on the news. The storm and he sunk. God took him out there to sink him. Who can understand the ways of God? Get off that mess. He could still be walking on that water today on that word. And he sunk. And his faith went from great to zero like that. And uh, he hollered out, Lord, help me. He said, I'm not going to do it. You had your chance. <laughs> Jesus reached out his hand and picked him up. And he said, you, you, why'd you doubt? Jesus wasn't fussing. He was helping him. He said, you should have kept your faith. You'd still be out there. So dear ones, our, our faith can do the, you know, up and down like that. All right, listen to me. That's why the Bible said we've got to build up our faith. And you'll build your faith one of two ways according to the Bible. Number one, you've got to hear. Yeah. Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. Hearing by the voice of God. How many people in the Bible did you see that reached out to Jesus after having heard about him? That's why we need to have testimonies. That's why you need to tell people what God's done for you. When people hear it, it builds their faith. I love the one in Mark chapter 5, or is it 4? It's drive around. It's in that neighborhood somewhere. Mark 4 or 5. I'm going to look at it. Let me just quote it to you. This woman, she had been hemorrhaging 12 years. And not only has she been hemorrhaging for 12 years, and that day, a woman that was hemorrhaging, you couldn't come near her. 
Levitical law, you were not allowed to go near. She couldn't go to church. Twelve years, this woman had been by herself, suffering. And the Bible said when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and she reached out her hand and said, when I touch him, I'm going to get well. And Jesus said, daughter, your faith did that. Where'd that faith come from? When she heard about Jesus, because faith comes by hearing. This was 12 years. She'd spent all her money. She was worse. And I don't know how she heard because she couldn't be near people. But apparently somebody said, have you heard about that man going around here? Do you remember the widow of Nain said, you know, he he raised her son from the dead. She said, he did. Did you hear about the blind man? Don't you remember he put the mud in it? He sees now. She keeps hearing this. She goes, and what's happening down here inside of her? Man, man. It's not your head. With the heart, man believeth, Romans 10, 13. You believe with your heart. Faith grows in your heart when you hear about the goodness of God. And that's why I tell people, read the Gospels. Too late for in the beginning. We passed that. Get in the Gospels and read about Jesus. I read about Jesus and I can feel faith growing up in my heart. When I read, and I've read the Gospels over a hundred times. I'll read it and I'll just go, God, that's good you did that. And I've read it a hundred times already. <laughs> then it was just not about knowing, it's about feeding on God's word that builds faith. And it just, listen, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That's why I encourage you to turn off Snoop Doggy Dog and listen to something that's good for you. Get the word of God inside your heart there. Or anybody else that's messing up your faith. Number two, you build your faith by exercising it. The Bible teaches faith's like a muscle. You know, no pain, no gain. You've got to exercise a little bit. As you exercise your faith, it grows. That's why the Bible said this in Jude, Jude chapter 20, building up yourselves in your most holy faith. You can build your faith by exercising it. Now, I always wondered why Jesus didn't pay attention to the disciples. Why did he let them keep getting in trouble over and over? Do you know... Apparently, Jesus didn't know storms was coming. Jesus didn't know problems was coming. I don't know if I'd follow Jesus or not. Everywhere they went, they got in trouble. What was his goal? Faith. Guess how we grow our faith? Listen to this. Here's James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. My brethren, moan and whine and groan when you fall into various troubles. Is that what it says? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing, the exercising of your faith produces endurance and builds your faith so you can be mature and perfect and have a great faith and lack nothing. Guess what trials are for? Because God ain't paying attention. <laughs> Quit just trying to go through it. Why don't you grow through it? Don't just go through it. Grow through it. When you get in the middle of a mess, let me tell you what I've learned. When you get in the middle of, listen, in my line of work, you get a lot of, I have a lot of conflict in my line of work. Probably not a more criticized man in this county than me. Oh, oh let me get my violin out here. Listen to me. When mess starts around me, you know what? I've, I just read back and say, praise God for another chance to prove God's word yes. works. Thank you. Count it all joy. Let me tell you why. You ain't going to get out of it. You might as well celebrate. Every ounce of faith I got didn't come from laying around eating mangoes under a tree and relaxing singing Jimmy Buffett songs. Can I get a witness? It comes from difficulties and trials and exercising your faith. Son, let me tell you something. You, to grow it, you've got to exercise it. Let's quit whining and start thanking God for opportunities. People say we're in some of the worst days we've ever been in. I think these are the greatest days to be alive on this planet right now. My king's going to show himself strong for those who put their faith in him. These are great days to be alive. By the way, you was born for a time like this. He knew this was coming and put you right in the middle of it. He didn't tell you to whine. He told you to shine. Let your light shine. So quit whining and start shining. 
I'm having fun tonight. We need to get over this. I got to get done here because you got to go get some rest. All righty. Everything you come in has a multiple choice test. Three choices. Number one, what does logic say? What, what, what makes sense to you, Brother Brian? What do you think? The last thing you need to know is what I think. And I sure don't want to know what you think. Choice number two. What do my emotions and feelings say right now? Feelings. <laughs> Quit feeling yourself. <laughs> when, when things are going on, don't ask your feelings nothing. They're drunk. They lie. Listen to me. When something's going on, what does the word say? What does my head say? What do my emotions say? Or what does the word say? Train yourself in every situation. Did you ever notice when Jesus got in a battle and you notice he had a one-track mind, what did he keep saying? It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. That was his monologue. And we need to be the same way. All right, let's take a test and I'm going to let you go. Anybody ever been offended? I mean, today. Anybody ever done anything ugly to you or lied about you or told something on you or just looked at you funny? Your head says retaliate. Your emotions say, poor me, poor me. Self-pity. What does the word say? Mercy. Mercy. God bless you. You don't owe me a thing. You're forgiven. I didn't ask. I, you don't have to ask. I'm going to give it to you anyway. Every situation, you've got three choices. Your head, your emotions, or his word. <clears throat> Anybody here ever seen any dark days? Dark days, your, your head says it's hopeless. Your emotions start worrying and getting nervous and gloomy. And then you start singing them stupid gospel songs. Just a few more weary days. I'll fly away. Go on, fly away now. If it ain't going to get no better than this. Or what is the words? All right, we got tomorrow. If you live through the night, you're going to face tomorrow. What's tomorrow say? Let me tell you what tomorrow says. Somebody got it. Tomorrow's the day the Lord made. Our culture didn't make tomorrow. The devil didn't make tomorrow. God made tomorrow. And it's a gift. You need to rejoice and be glad in it. And you said, well, Brother Brian, this is making me nervous. Then let's just cover the whole thing. I'm going to give you a blank. I'm going to give you a license for the rest of your life. Here it is. Philippians 4, 4. Rejoice in the Lord when everything's hunky-dory. Guess what the Greek word for always means? Always. You just stand there and celebrate. Come hell or high water, it don't matter. Just praise. It's always the right time to rejoice. Yes, it is. So well, times suck. It didn't say rejoice in sucky times. It said rejoice in the Lord always. Tell me when he's not good. Tell me when he's not faithful and he's not able. By the way, I'm trying to build your faith up a little bit here in case you didn't notice. Anybody ever been through any storms? All right, let me tell you what your head says. Worst. It's going to be the worst. Our natural thinking always believes the worst. Our emotions get fearful. But guess what we do right in the middle of them storms? We cross our arms and we smile and we say, Praise God. I see in the Word that all things are working together for good because I love God and I'm called toward His purpose and everything's going to be just fine. Matter of fact, I believe you can reach a place of faith where you can go to sleep during the storm and let everybody else scream. You're screaming enough for both of us. I'm just going to go to bed. Well, let me ask you one or two more, and I'm going to let you go for the fourth time. People in bondage. 
I've ne- Listen, counsel to tell you, there's never been a time when more folks are in bondage right now. This is Satan's last stand in the earth, and he knows it. People in bondage to everything under God's heaven. Pornography has taken over the church. I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church in America. Percentages are crazy. Addictive things, all this craziness. Now, let me tell you what the intellect says. I'm fixing to pin your ears back. Intellect says it's a disease. It's a disease. You see this book right here? And your emotions say, I've tried to get out so many times. I've been through seven rehabs. I've sworn I'd never do it again. That's hopelessness. Let me tell you what this book says right here. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. This book says freedom. This book says if you stumble, get up. This book said the spirit of the Lord is upon me. and He's anointed me to set the captive free. Somebody should start a ministry and call it living free. You don't have to live in bondage. Jesus died so you can get out of that mess. So I'm trying. Don't try. Believe. Believers believe. We're not called triers. Called believers. All of us got a future. Looking bad, Brother Byron. (laughs) You think so? Let me tell you something. Oh, this has become one of my, I love this verse right here. Well, I I love a lot of them. This has become one of my primary verses. Proverbs 4.18. The way of the just is brighter and brighter every day until the perfect day. Listen, my days are going to get better and better. You say, what what planet do you live on? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I live in the kingdom of the living God who rules forevermore. Oh, we we just got to get back to the word. Our churches should buy Bibles. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Let me just challenge you with something. God Almighty told me to say this to him. He told me to stand up every day and say, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth. Do you think he lied to me? He's not going to tell me to ask him to do it if he's not going to do it. And I believe he tells the truth. He hears me ask him that every morning. I'm going to keep asking. I'm going to keep asking it for you too. Let me throw in one more. One more here, just a question. Uh, Right now, I, I noticed this past week, the CBD, which is the nonpartisan group in the nation, says there's a famine coming to our nation. We're in financial trouble. They say there's a famine coming. And that we in financial trouble. Say so there's a train wreck coming in this nation. Mm-hmm. I started worrying right away. Right off the bat, I started worrying. I got, I got, on, got on my computer and checked my 501K or my 523 or my 270. I think you need your 270 more than you need your 401K these days. <laughs> sure Never mind. <laughs> the deal, just, so listen to the news, which says a famine coming, hard times coming. Well, <clears throat> I'm talking about financially. I, I believe there may be a famine coming in this land. Am I going to worry about it? Am I going to believe? Let me tell you, if there's a famine comes in this land, my God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Period. End of discussion. He's going to do that. Matter of fact, let let me throw this in too. You say, you want him, are you one of them prosperity preachers? Praise God, you finally recognize it. It took you long enough. You need to memorize Proverbs 10, 22. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. And he adds no sorrow with it. What do you think that means? God have mercy. It means exactly what it says. By the way, I have a preacher friend named Elijah. Elijah is two Hebrew words rammed together. Eli means my God is. Jah is the shortened form of Jehovah. His name means my God is Jehovah. 
and his nation was judged and famine came in the land and God said to him, because your name is Elijah, because you've made me your God, you go camp by the river. Birds will bring you cheeseburgers every morning and cheeseburgers every night. I don't even know if that's in there. It's 2 Kings chapter 6. It's in there. It says, it says bread and meat. That's a cheeseburger where I'm from. And they brought him bread and meat every morning and every evening till it was over. God, what does that tell? Why is that in the Bible? You, you let your name be Elijah. My God is Jehovah. He'll supply your needs supernaturally no matter what's going on around you. We've got to get back to this word and get off our emotions. Uh, all right, one more, one more, promise. Like, here, watch this. I was close, one more. Death. Death. Bible calls death the last enemy. Calls man's greatest. You know why people hate death? We weren't born to die. Something down in here, something down here hates death. That's why we fight it. All right, let me tell you what death. The intellect says it's inevitable. My head says it's inevitable. It's the end. My emotions have sadness and anxiety and fear. What does God's word say? What does the word say? We know. We don't hope or wish. We know if this body's destroyed, we have a body in the heavenlies not made with hands with which we long to be clothed. Having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. And Philippians 1.23 tells me this, to depart and be with Christ is almost as good as staying down here. Go back and read it in the original. To depart and be with Christ is not better. To depart and be with Christ is far better. Any way you cut it, it's an upgrade. All right, let, me, let me give you a little revelation from prayer here. The moment you fall over, and everybody in here is going to fall over. Well, thank you for bringing us here tonight. Tell us that everybody's here is going to fall over. You don't need to worry about it if you're ready to fall over. I've had people, young people, I've talked to them, they say, well, I'm not ready for that stuff yet. They was, you're not ready to live, or you're ready to die. Get ready to die and go on to live. I don't care if you're 14. Let me tell you something. One second inside of what we call heaven or the new earth, one moment after seeing Jesus, you're going to look back and kick your butt. I shouldn't have said that. You're going to be look back and be so ill with yourself for ever being nervous about it. You're going to say, why did I worry for one second? After you've seen Jesus one time, you'll say, why did I ever worry? Why did I ever doubt? Why was I ever afraid of anything? I could have had a V8. Well, I mean, well, you could have, you say... I could have celebrated. I could have enjoyed the ride. Amen. Praise God. Now I've seen it. All righty. I'm going to tell my boat story. Y'all heard my boat story. I'm old. I can repeat myself. Can I get a witness? The Spirit of God used this great little man. I'm five years old. We at Tweetsie Railroad, the last of the great theme parks. It's the only real theme park left anywhere anymore. It's where you can still shoot people and not get in trouble. Tweetsie Railroad, got the Cowboys and Indians. And we up there, me and my sister's three, and they had this little pool, and they got these little boats in it. And they little about four or five little boats that go round and round in a circle there, and you, gotta, you can't be like too tall to ride them. So my mama put me and my sister in that boat. And, this, and about the time we're getting ready to go, this hateful old man, never seen him in my life, looked at me and said, you be careful that boat driving that thing with your sister in there. I thought, God have mercy. I've never even been in a boat in my life. I don't know how to drive a boat. And I'm starting to holler for mama to get me out of here. That thing takes off. I grab that steering wheel. And I'm trying my best to make sure. Got my sister in here. and I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm, I'm, I said, hold on. I'm, I'm tighter than a banjo string. Trying to drive that boat. And we bumped the edge. I said, it'd be all right. I'm just, 
<laughs> Terrible. Went round and round to about four hours it goes round and round there. About to pee in my little short pint britches. And finally it comes to a stop. Man, I got us back. And I'm starting to get out. That man says, you want to go around again? I said, no, I barely got us back this time. And you were like, what are you laughing about? I'm talking about the way you live. <laughs> 40 years later, I'm praying one morning. The Holy Spirit brought that back. I said, I forgot about that. I said, I looked silly that day, didn't I? He said, you still do. <laughs> if I'd known the truth, if I'd known the truth, if I'd known the truth, I wasn't in charge of that boat. The steering wheel wasn't even hooked up. <laughs> somebody I didn't even know was there, somebody I couldn't see was in control the whole time. Sure and I thought I was in control. If I'd have known the truth, guess what truth does to you? If I'd known the truth, I could have leaned back, let that steering wheel go, propped my feet up on the dash and waved at mama as we went around. <laughs> we could have had a big time. If I'd just known the truth, one second after you get to glory and you see you wasn't in charge anyhow. <laughs> you nervous and uptight about what's coming. There's somebody a whole lot bigger than you. You can't see he's got his hand on the controls. Amen. I mean, even in difficult days, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're driving the boat. Yes. If you knew the truth, you'd take your hands off the wheel, prop your feet up on the dash and start singing and hollering and wave at people Amen. and enjoy the ride. I mean, if you know, walking by faith will change everything. Yes. Now, dear ones, you can be saved without faith. I mean, you've got to have faith to get saved, but you can live your life and be saved going to heaven without faith. But you're going to look like riding in that boat like I was. But faith will make you enjoy the ride so much better. Yes. One of my best preacher buddies, I'm Calvinistic, he's Armenian. You say, what does that mean? Don't even try to find out. Don't mean nothing. It just means this. On the trip to glory, I'm riding in first class and having a big time. He's hanging on by the wing, hoping to get there. That's exactly what it means. And we're both going to get there, but I'm going to enjoy the ride a whole lot more. Demons, if you'll walk by faith, you'll enjoy the ride a whole lot more. And I'm going to throw this in for free. I got a feeling folks want to ride with you if you'd ride by faith. Lord Jesus, I just want to praise you and love you. Thank you. We've had a great time in church tonight. Got to worship you and praise you and thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word. Just as surely as you told that redneck fisherman and them two troubled brothers to come and follow you, walk with me, and you taught them to live by faith, and you stunned the world through them boys, you're still calling people to follow you and walk by faith, and you're still teaching us to walk by faith. I pray in Jesus' name, the ability to see the hand of God in the little things around us and know that just as surely as you orchestrated their lives to build great faith and bless them, you are at the controls. You are large and in charge. I don't have to see you. I got a book that tells me what's going on. Thank you for your word. I pray tonight we'll let the intellect go. Be willing to become like little children and just believe. That we'll tell our emotions, silence. You're not the truth. And we will say it is written in every situation. And we'll be trained to say, what does the word say? Lord Jesus, I love the faith walk. I love walking by faith. I love believing what you've got to say. And I thank you that the way of the just grows brighter every day, brighter and brighter till the perfect day. Thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here tonight. I bless this word to their hearts and declare it will never be taken back out. It will bear fruit for all of eternity. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.